Welcome to the Odd and Offbeat Podcast. Hey, hey, oddballs, welcome to the Odd and Offbeat Podcast. Number one podcast, direct from Matt Baker's basement. This is true. <laughs> Soon to be number two if I start another <laughs> podcast, depending on how this goes. We are a show hosted by myself, Mr. Matthew Baker, and the ever-cultivated Louis Fox. I'm like fine yogurt, cultivated. <laughs> I think that's culture, <laughs> oh, not that's cultivated. Culture. Yeah, I'm definitely not cultured, <laughs> I think never cultivated mind. cultivated is like slowly grown. Oh, isn't that when you um, turn over the soil? Yeah, I, you cultivate. Okay. I, I think cultivate comes in many forms. Yeah, my soil has been turned yes, over yes. many times. <laughs> Still nothing is growing, though, sadly. It's fairly barren. <laughs> we got to get some uh, some manure up in that, some horse manure. <laughs> if you're new to the program, we're a podcast that shares weird and interesting news stories to make your life more mysterious. That's right, because when you're at the water cooler at work, you want to be mysterious. I, you, you use the water cooler at work. I don't even know what that is. Quite a bit. I think... Do they even exist? Well, I've never been to work before. <laughs> in my mind, I don't think that there's a water cooler. I don't. I mean, I don't really see water coolers outside of like in Europe. They have them in their houses. Like, I don't see what... Do they have them at people's offices? I don't offices? know. That's the old... I don't know. Don't, what's wrong with tap water? How high fluting are these people? Well, it depends on what country you are. That's There's true. a lot to, to, to be wrong with tap water. <laughs> that is true. Uh, but yeah, I guess if you could send us a message, if you work at an office and let us know there's a water cooler, and then also let us know if people gather around it well, and discuss so- <laughs> news stories. Today's a unique episode because we have in studio a good friend of ours. Yep. And his name is Scotty McQueen. Scotty McQueen. All right. <laughs> Look how we had to defer his name to him. <laughs> well, there's been many incarnations of Scotty. Yes. And I would like to say that this studio is not just your basement; it's also my temporary bedroom. This is this is true. <laughs> we had to do some remodeling to make sure that the podcast room became a podcast room. Yeah, not, not a inflatable mattress room. <laughs> Matt said it would take seven minutes to convert it. It took 6.45. Yeah. And he was like an Indy 500 pit crew. They yeah, were dudes rolling out. <laughs> <laughs> Those of you who don't know who Scotty McQueen is, he is a friend of ours. And he started out, uh, he grew up here in Washington. He was a magician. And then he became a master's student. He got his master's of fine arts in Commedia dell'arte, which is a type of uh Clowning and mask work, yeah. theater work. That's European for clown. Yeah, yeah. and then physical now theater. he physical is... theater, <laughs> aka construction. <laughs> now he's getting his PhD in in uh, the performance and performativity of mentalism and psychic arts. Can you explain that? To well, us a little bit? yeah, I'm in my fifth and final year now. Is well, it is real in the sense that it manifests as real in social senses, like professional wrestling. You know, you, people say, "Oh, it's fake." We say, "Oh, well, hold on." I know it's not what it seems to be, but what do you mean it's fake? These are still big guys hurling each other around. You know, it still has real effects. They can still be injured and, and it affects the audiences in real and measurable ways. The words like real and fake become way too blunt to to start exploring what happens when people start doing and talking about psychic stuff. Ah, interesting. So I'm looking at what is it really? It isn't what people think it is. Is trying to actually define what the You're, art form or the ability to understand people's thoughts and 
yeah, if I could see the future, I probably would have chosen a different PhD that would be a little more commercial. Did you write that in your That's dissertation? I just wrote it just now. <laughs> the, your whole learning uh, culminates on, if I could see the future, I wouldn't have done this. And you, and you are getting your PhD at the University of Cork in Ireland. Was there some some specific reason that you chose that university? There was, actually, and that's because they do practice-based research, which means that I don't just do research in books and papers and writing things. I actually, my research happens on the ground. I do and create performances. I realized that the way to understand psychic phenomena is not in the laboratory like they've been trying to do, but it's actually in the in the realm of performance studies and looking at, like, they talk about how gender is performative. So I'm saying I think that psychic phenomena is performative, actually. We manifest it socially by doing it and not realizing that we are actually enacting these kind of inherited uh, ancient social rituals. So the reason I went to Cork was because I can actually do research like uh, experimental research with people and performance as opposed to just trying to learn it from a book. So you can apply the skills that you already have, which is performing and, you know, yeah. using the art form sort of in its traditional exactly. you know, use. It's, I, I th- thought of it in the beginning as sort of going undercover as a psychic for four years to see how it feels and what, what I learned. And it changed me to the degree that actually I'm not nearly as negative about the whole psychic phenomena as I was when I started. But now I think it's a, a very interesting and sometimes helpful thing that needs to be managed a little more knowledgeably and, and openly. So when but, you say bad thing, are you saying like a hoax or that people have used it historically to sort of defraud financial- people who have had some sort of uh, loss in their life? I mean, to pray predatory tactics on people who, who are vulnerable. Yeah, uh-huh. that's, yeah. The, that's the traditional sort of dogmatic argument against the uh-huh. psychic industry. And I, I don't disagree with that. But what I do see is that there, it also produces a lot of social benefit like religion does. And it needs to be kind of balanced. If you take it away, you have to be prepared to replace it with something else. You hmm. know? Otherwise, you leave a void for people who obviously they need something. Well, yeah. Why? I mean, what, they can't just not have it? You're saying I that wonder if on some level, say, my girlfriend just left me. Uh, I have this hole that needs to be plugged. You know, it- <laughs> <laughs> well said. <laughs> Roles have been reversed in this in this breakup. <laughs> Didn't see that coming, did you, psychic? <laughs> so it's like it will help give me closure in a way that I may not be able to expediently find myself. I'm like, oh, it's hopeless. And then the psychic goes, oh, there's something down the way. And you go, okay. Yeah. And, you know, I think you f- most people who believe in these things, if, I mean, unconsciously, they're just using them on some level. It's like if people really believed that God was omnipotent and could do anything, they don't really reflect that like people will pray for the cancer to go into remission but they don't pray for their arm to grow back because deep down people know that it's it's kind of a game that we're playing it's like dan dennett says this in in philosophy about if you really believed god was watching you you probably wouldn't masturbate you know but we we have a way of saying oh that's your thing yeah i like it when god watches so hey god you let me know when you're watching i'll get to it so what i think i think that psychic thing is a thing that people tend to it can get dark at times with certain people, and it can be psychosis and other dangerous things. But for the most part, I think it's something people play at because it's fun and it allows us to exert some sort of control over our environment in a in a fun and mostly harmless way when you look at how people play with uh, extraordinary beliefs. 
Well, Scotty has had many sort of forms. As an artist, you're always growing. You know, your original name is Scotty Walsh, but you've you've taken on names like Nicholas Bumoni. Well, you know, to be honest, I remember when I wasn't even Scotty Walsh. Like, ah. Probably around the time I met you, I was Scott Walsh. And I remember the time that Clifton and I, because it was Scotty Meltzer, was a cool guy. And I thought, Scotty Meltzer's cool. And I like that name, Scotty. And there was a magician called Scotty York. And yep. I thought, maybe I'm going to be Scotty. And I remember going in with Clifton and him saying, I'll call you Scotty. I'll, I, he agreed to call me Scotty. And he helped me make it stick <laughs> to, to the point now that people actually think of Scotty Walsh as my real name. And, and it, even it isn't. So I've always, I've always dabbled with different stage names to, to make my performances a little more like stick in the memory a mm-hmm. little bit. You don't have to. Like Bob Zimmerman wasn't stuck with it. You know? Well, Matt Baker is a stage name. Yeah. It, Matthew Baker is my real name. Yeah. Um, Funny. Yeah. yeah, and I was even thinking about, you know, Cary Grant. I don't know if you're joking. I don't care because I want to say this about Cary Grant. Cary Grant's real name was Archibald Leach. He changed it because that's a ridiculous name. He changed it to Cary Grant. Very cool name. But today you look at guys like Benedict Cumberbatch and you go, oh, my God, Archibald Leach is the best name ever. Well, there's a, there's the old joke that Dick Van Dyke is a stage name. <laughs> yeah. I've heard. Yeah, that his real name is Vagina Van Lesbian. Penis Van Lesbian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I always find it interesting when people take on different names and you've had di- different incarnations you i believe you've been eddie dean at some point where you t- t- changed both of your names and now you yeah know. well i mean i'm i'm in a position where all my academic papers have been published under the name eddie dean which is the the performance i did all my kind of psychic work under mm-hmm. and i really thought i was going to legally change my name but my court date was a week out so i had to miss it i was going to stick with that and now i'm at a point where i'm finishing the phd and i'm saying it didn't really commercially develop like i thought it would and I want to shift to a new thing and mm-hmm. keep my name Scotty and take a different name, McQueen, just because I like it. And, uh, well, that's put me in kind of a, a conundrum about what name to publish my dissertation under, the fact that my work is published under a different name. I really wanted to change my name only once in a big way. Well, uh, couldn't, couldn't you just say, you know, Scott Walsh is my name, but I did all my research under a pseudonym? Under a pseudonym, because it is you. Like yeah, you said, sure. you were like sort of a spy and and so you wrote under that name and I now, think that adds to the mystique a little bit kinda yeah yeah at some point though I probably apply for a job at a university or something and they say you have no internet search whatever whatever they're and like say, Scotty well, Walsh you have to look up na- under this name for that and under this name for that and under that name for that they're like Eddie Dean has a criminal record yeah. <laughs> Scotty McQueen is wanted in two states, but Scott Walsh just seems all right. <laughs> you're, keep, you're keeping your own, your so, original name clean. Let's go with that one then. <laughs> you came on the road doing, um, you know, opening up, doing magic and comedy and escapes, uh, really just solid stuff. And then you sort of moved on and started studying theater. I mean, you got your bachelor's at the University of Washington and decided to move to Italy, right? Yeah. And I mean, I had a street performing career in there at some point too. That yeah. Was, say was you really were in nice. New Orleans and DC, right? Yeah. Well, just New Orleans and also uh, Seattle. Now, when you were doing street performing in New Orleans, you did, you lived with Harry Anderson. Yeah. Those of you who don't know who Harry Anderson is, he is uh, he's famous for being the judge in the show Night Court, but he was also a very successful comedy magician yep. in the 80s and had a couple HBO Saturday specials. And, yeah, yeah, hosted Saturday Night Live, and you like, lived with him for a while. Yeah, and he was a great guy, and obviously, like I know you guys know, he recently passed away, and it's a it's a huge loss for the community because he was one of the classiest and most original guys in the in the industry, and a huge proponent of weird and wacky things yeah odd and offbeat yeah absolutely really knowledgeable sideshow guy 
but I can tell you that he had an electric chair in his in his magic shop spade and archer in New Orleans that it was his reading chair. Like a legit electric chair or like well, a sideshow electric chair? Like, yeah, and I think <laughs> I I think it was a sideshow electric chair, but you never know. And and that's the thing. He also had these um chicks, like baby chicks with four wings or two heads or something like uh, that. And those yeah. those were for sale. And I remembered asking him like so are those real or are those like sort of manufactured? And he says, no, they're real. Like I know a guy that makes them, like really makes them out of a, with an X-Acto <laughs> knife and hot glue. It's not, it's not imaginary. <laughs> he also had a parrot in a cage and I was in there one day and a kid asked if he could like um, put his finger in the cage. And Harry's answer was like, yeah, sure. Just figure out which finger you don't want anymore. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so you did that for a while. Then you, I believe you went to, to France, studied there for a I while. I did a master's there too, a little bit of circus work. Okay. And I, I saw you in Italy when you were doing uh, the Del Arte sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. It was like an you, English. You, you came and did a little workshop there actually for the students. We talked about what it was like to be a variety performer and stuff like that. Oh, wow. I feel sorry for the kids <laughs> who had to Do you remember sit that through sitting listening in that little me. theater talking about your your kind of career and I, w- I was interviewing you I, I vaguely yeah, yeah. vaguely I, I just remembered I, that too I try and wipe that stuff sort of <laughs> out of my mind I can't imagine I would have things to add Matt, Matt <laughs> is the reason there's a void in uh <laughs> in variety arts in Europe for, for, for two years I can't imagine I was encouraging towards <laughs> well I mean you got to think like one of the the big gulfs for theater people is is well how to make money with it well i partially yeah. suspected there's three matt baker comedy stunt shows in italy right now yeah and i somewhat suspect that it could be these i told them to change their names <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one's the matthew baker <laughs> one's matthew one's matthew mcqueen stunt comedy and stunt show archibald leach stunt show.com. The, the dick van dyke comedy <laughs> stunt show you've been in the business sort of you know 20 25 years now performing You've sort of taken an interesting approach because uh, a lot of us, when we learn our skills, we just apply it and we try and make a show. And, and we don't and, go to school. And you make some sort of livelihood through it. You've sort of taken the approach where, you, you know, you were a talented performer, but you had this thirst for knowledge. You wanted to take it farther and really understand it's the art It's almost like you're more. legitimizing what you do. And st- yeah, I mean, I've also had to do it for a means a means to an end as it's allowed me to kind of travel throughout the world a lot and live in Europe for a, lo- a lot of years, which I was able to do because I had a student status. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was able to approach clown and magic in a very physical theater tradition in Italy. And now I'm approaching mind reading and mentalism, psychic stuff in a very, very um, rigorous academic way in Ireland. And and that's really cool. But it it has made me in a way totally unemployable, you know, and what I wouldn't give to earn as much as I was when I was 17 years old (laughs) doing magic shows at birthday parties. You know, those were good times, even street performing. It's crazy. It was like a dream to me right now to work that much. So going to sort of the what you're focusing on in the PhD, you're applying this stuff to performance, correct? The yeah, mind reading, the psychology, body, you know. Yeah, and also performing, per, uh, applying performance studies to it, uh-huh. which has never been done before. People who are not familiar with like mind reading. Like or theatrical mind theatrical reading. Theatrical mind reading, you know, something you might see on a stage or bending spoons or predicting, you, you know, your dog's name, whatever it is. Can you can you kind of walk us through like some some historical people largely it grows out of the spiritualism movement in the late uh, 
late 1800s where, you know, some girls in New York made everybody think that they were communicating with ghosts in a haunted house. And Wasn't them just dislocating their knee or something uh, like that? Toe joints, yeah. yeah. And they later recanted and said that it was, uh, they explained how they did it. And it, it got a little messy too because one of the sisters denied that that was true and the other said it was, but it, it definitely makes oh, sense. Dude, how, how loud this is, is that? Some, some backstory. Is, so yeah, so they said they were talking to ghosts and they would hear popping noises or something to that effect. Yeah, rapping. There would Table be knocks knocking. on the, on mm. the floor and it was in really, the darkness. And it was really her dislocating her toe. Wow! Exactly. Which That's there's impressive. a bigger, there's a bigger medical. You could have traveled on the sideshow. You would have made a lot more money yeah. just dislocating I mean, your toes. So the Fox <laughs> sisters inadvertently sparked a, a, a worldwide religion that lasted for decades. They were uh, the Elron Hubbard of 1850, <laughs> and they were always poor, alcoholic, sad, depressed. Like it was not a happy story. It's not like they made a good business choice there. I mean, they kind of destroyed their lives. So th that's the Fox sisters case. I mean, but psychic stuff goes all the way back to Greek mythology. And you can find it in basically it's universal. And every culture of which we have a history, there's been reports of out-of-body experiences and levitations, precognition, seeing the future, mind reading and telepathy. All these things just always pop up. So that, that raises the question, well, maybe they're real. Uh -huh. you know. But I think what it is, is is there's some sort of more like anthropological, social function that these things serve. A it's, need that people need uh, have... Yeah, so, I think of it as kind of a personalized, individualized, flexible religion. Huh? Customizable. Like yoga. There's really no rules. A little to bit. It. Yeah, meditation. If Individual. You, I've done flexible. psychic yoga before where you just project yourself in the yoga room. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, while, while you're at home eating Cheetos. Yeah, um, I think <laughs> you're hookah. joking, but they call that meditation and stuff. <laughs> and people would totally say that that's probably a beneficial practice. Yeah, I mean, I do projective meditation in a lot of places like uh this is me writing a sitcom <laughs> this is me <laughs> not choosing to smoke weed in high school <laughs> and listening to my guidance counselors so yeah levels of time travel exactly yeah so in the in the psychic industry there's a terms open eye and shut eye. Mm -hmm. And the shut eye is the person who over time comes to believe in their own sorts of, let's say, performances or lies, right? A pretend or imagination. And open eye is someone who kind of uses tricks very knowingly, almost like a magician would, a fake psychic. Mm -hmm. uh, shut eye is a psychic that really believes. And I, I, I write in my research a lot about the, a wink eye which is sort of a new phenomenon that I'm exploring, which is where, well, you're not quite sure where you are, or, or maybe you are, you're faking it, but you're maintaining that you really believe it at such a level. I call, beyond... that, a, I call that a lazy eye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what would and... a pink eye be? Yeah. <laughs> you want to go to the pink eye psychic? <laughs> psychic with herpes. So, <laughs> so what I wanted to do was to see if I could become a shut eye. Like by really, really pushing this, how far could I go? Mm. Could I come to like actually believe in this stuff? And it started to happen to me that I would do these shows and start just going in with no tricks or no gimmicks or no no magic at all. Just going in and being like, I'm a psychic and I'm going to do these things. And the, it was astounding the sort of hit rates you get. I started having dreams that aligned perfectly with things that happened, not not in the future, but at the same time I was having my dream. I would tell someone this story and they'd say, oh, I, that's, that's what happened to me at oh. that time. And especially because of the time zone change, 
things that were happening in America, I was dreaming about in Ireland at the, that same time. Mm. These are things where you go, I'm not saying this is psychic because, like I said, I don't think that it is what we think it is. But how do you explain these things? Because I'm not quite ready to say it was coincidence either. Sometimes mm-hmm. it happens when you leave your iPod and when you fall asleep. <laughs> to, to NPR? <laughs> to, to, NPR. <laughs> yeah. to the AP News feed? <laughs> when you fall asleep FaceTiming someone? <laughs> but so the weirdest story for me was I decided to be tested in a laboratory. Mm-hmm. And I did this because I wanted to make a documentary about being tested in the laboratory that I could use in my one-man show. So I went in there, strip searched by nurses. I did hundreds of trials over several days in different locations with electromagnetic shielding, uh, um, all sorts of the, the guy who was running the experiments is a certified hypnotherapist and a magician. He knows the tricks and everything. We designed rigorous um, studies that couldn't be cheated that we could see. I went in there and over the course of hundreds of experiments, I obtained odds at guessing guessing games mm-hmm. uh, that surpassed one in a million Wow! against chance. Wow. And that's weird, right? Because I went in there just to get some footage of me being tested. I didn't expect to probably find anything. Yeah. But, um, and these were, these were usually guessing Zener cards or dice, so one out of five or one out of six odds. But when you, you know, you're right, I was always right a little more than I should have been. Mm. And over the course of the days, we did the statistics and said, well, that's beyond one in a million of happening just by chance. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of thing that I thought was extraordinary at the time. We made the documentary. It was a big deal. And it's also what kind of crushed my career. Because where do you go with information like that? So it's the kind of thing that now I just don't even talk about, really. I just sort of suppress that because it never got me work. Well, you're the only PhD psychic who's been medically cleared or scientifically studied and under the name Eddie Dean. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, but I imagine you're one of the few people who have gone to the lengths of to be. Uh, you know, scientifically studied, yeah. and, you know, to see if your ability is normal or is. Yeah. And, you know, I can't really even write about that, particularly that study in my uh, uh, dissertation. I've had to move all of that research into the appendices, because if I put that in the body of my dissertation, it would raise so many questions, merit so much further study that I'd never get a PhD. Now, does that go to your head a little bit? Like you're at the track and you're like, all of it on number four. <laughs> well, I play the lottery like regularly. And the other the other day, Euro Millions had a 175 million jackpot, which is like record high. It was one in Ireland. And I woke up and I got a note that said, check your ticket. The winner's from Ireland. And I thought, oh, yeah, obviously that's me. So I'm still a little bit like burned that somehow that was some farmer in Wexlow. <laughs> Clearly, you, you got your PhD in mind reading, not in math. <laughs> It, 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 you won in a parallel universe. You were just reading the wrong universe, right? I'm assuming, Did you check yeah. your ticket against the American numbers that Ooh, day? That's a great idea. Did you ask Eddie Dean if he won? Eddie Dean is dead. <laughs> what about what about Scotty Walsh? <laughs> Maybe that's the great thing about having multiple, multiple not existent either. <laughs> More chances to win. Yeah, right? <laughs> All right, Scotty. Well, is there anything else you want to cover? Is well, at some point, maybe you could help me get a job. <laughs> I got you four this week. <laughs> yeah, that's sweet. Any? Do we have any stories from the road? Well, there was the time the guy that we ran into outside of a grocery store that realized that I was a time traveler. No, what do? What was it? What happened there? Uh, some guy came up in some conservative part of Oregon, I think, and he says, "I I don't want to be a dick or anything, but you just get out of a time machine." <laughs> I like how like he had an old-timey voice. <laughs> You're just going to have a time machine? See? This happened in 1890. 
this story. Yeah, it might have, because that's a very peculiar thing for someone to just come up and say. Who knew they had a Dodge Spirit in 1890? <laughs> well, this particular this particular time in your life, Scotty was wearing a Buster Keaton flat top hat. He was wearing suspenders, sort of patchwork patchwork sort of and he drove trousers. a DeLorean yeah <laughs> yeah well this was when I was I was applying method acting and Stanislavski approach to clowning right which was to go like a method actor into a character and so for 24 hours a day I kind of lived in my stage costume until it wasn't my stage costume anymore it was just what I wore and those little things have a way of kind of seeping into you and changing you and that's why you know that's why I wanted to explore the psychic work on that level too uh, what happens when you really do it all the time yeah and things happen it's weird yeah i like that that's good yeah do you want to stick around for a story of course let's do it Hey, hey, oddballs, sorry to interrupt the program, but we just wanted to let you know that we have created a webpage that allows you to support our program financially. Go to our website, oddandoffbeat.com, and click on the Patreon link. That will take you to a page that allows you to donate directly to our program. And not only do you get the amazing feeling of helping two artists create silly content, but you also get some pretty sweet kickbacks. Mm -hmm. We have set up five different tiers of programs to choose from, and you can pick the one that best suits you. They range from $1 to $20 a month, and each tier has different odd and offbeat freebies. We have monthly bonus episodes, mystery prizes sent to your doorstep, magic tricks, shout-outs on the podcast, stickers, t-shirts, and much, much more. Oh, so much more. Each of the giveaways are listed on the page so you can see all the sweet stuff you can get. This helps us continue to make this program and unofficially pardons you from all your sins. <laughs> it's more fun than a Hail Mary and actually makes sense. So again, oddandoffbeat.com and click on the Patreon link. Okay, now back to the weird stuff. Blue. <laughs> All right, this story comes from telegraph.co.uk. That's a news source more reliable than trying to give a guy a wedgie while he's wearing a kilt. Yeah, I guess <laughs> Scotland might have a, an issue. With their, think of a, a life kids went without, a whole childhood without the fear of wedgies. I know. Man. <laughs> and a telegraph is pretty outdated just there. I mean, it's like having a music newsletter called the 8-Track. <laughs> I like how, it. How credible is this? They're still using a telegraph? <laughs> and we're going to listen to them talk about electric signals in the brain? Yeah. I don't think so. Hey, don't get ahead of us here. Don't get ahead of us here. Because the article goes, why mind reading is a science and not a magic trick. Which is a good thing we have you with us. Yeah, this is why we're doing this one. It's not a particularly odd or unusual, but it is it sort of explains how mind reading works. The story goes, you believe your thoughts are intangible and inscrutable, but all mental activity is communicated via electrical impulses. Is that true? I already knew this. We call that Twitter. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, really, that is kind of what emails are, isn't it? In a way, you take thoughts, you translate them into some sort of signal, you send them uh, across 
the air to other people who then decode them. I mean, where do you draw the line between mind reading and communication? Mm -hmm. As our understanding of the brain improves, we're increasingly able to decode our mental electrical signals and translate our thoughts into automatic action. I can already do that. Look, I'm moving my arm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what they're trying to they're trying to say there. So, well, what what happens is that they're able to look at scanning of the brain and basically tell you what you're thinking. Ah, gotcha. And they talk about that they could create cars that you could operate without your hands, for example, just by sitting in a car and thinking about it operating. Ah, okay. So it's so it says a Scalex trick powered by the mind is the latest product to make use of our brain waves, which I think is a horrible name. Yeah, like, electric. No, I'm thinking like it's the, the same person to name this is like also naming famous EDM DJs. <laughs> DJ <Yeah>. Skelectric. <laughs> DJ Skelectric. Just playing at the MGM in Vegas. Was Electrics already taken? <laughs> so it says uh, Stephen Sigurnyek, senior lecturer in electronics at the University of Central Lancashire, has built a Skelectric where the cars are powered by the player's level of concentration. So most teenagers would not be able to do it with their current level of concentration. Yeah. So it says, your brain works off electrical activity a bit like a computer, he says. As you concentrate on something, it fires neurons in the brain. See, this brain activity is the number one cause of unemployment in the brain. You're fired. This sounds like a conversation I had on mushrooms once. (laughs) Dude, your brain works off electrical activity, man. (laughs) That's just the shrooms talking, bro. Mind control Skelectric headsets clip to the forehead to measure the level of mental activity. The thoughts are then organized into different frequency bands. The subconscious, for example, operates at a different level from conscious thoughts. The electric signal is processed by a computer and sent to a microcontroller, which sends a corresponding level of voltage to power the car. Now, this if you they have a picture of the car, it's a slot car. So it's not like a car... Not like my Ford Fiesta. Uh It's a slot car. So all it does is it goes. You don't have to turn it. It just goes. Gotcha. So all you have to do is sort of think about it going forward. Stop and go are your main choices here. But, well, I mean, it talks about the problems with it that, I mean, you know, that thing where, like, if you have to really think about the car stopping, it becomes really hard to think, oh, my God, the car is going and it's going faster now and I'm going to crash into this thing. So you want to make it stop. But the more you're thinking about it going faster and you're crashing into this wall. And so so there's a real problem if it's actually powered by your thoughts because they need to decode. It, it needs to instead of thinking stop, I need to think don't crash into the wall. Yeah. Mm. Your thoughts and your wishes are not necessarily the same thing. I wonder how road rage would manifest in this scenario. <laughs> you just go faster. <laughs> it just makes it worse. <laughs> Your car turns into a giant middle finger. (laughs) Transformers. (laughs) But when I put on the headset, the car stays still. Dr. Sigourniak says that it helps to visualize the alphabet or arithmetic problems, but this makes no difference. Apparently, my brain signals remain tiny. Wait, so I have to visualize math to make the car go? I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, this is it's an interesting thing that it's kind of obvious that your brain is creates electricity and that electricity can you with your thoughts you can control certain lights light bulbs to come on or off sure why not but does this what's this have to do with mind reading or magic tricks i feel like we're in clickbait there well i like that you have to be good at math to make a car go finally asians will be the best drivers on the road (laughs) although i do think clickbait would be a good dj name (laughs) 
guy's naming all sorts of DJs. Fucking DJ clickbait. And electrics. <laughs> Click here for my new track. <laughs> and you're like, damn it. <laughs> Not again. DJ clickbait. <laughs> you just got rickrolled. <laughs> the, the car starts to move when I listen to Dr. Sigourniak's explanation. <laughs> Dr. Sigourniak's new DJ cut. <laughs> D- DR and DJ is very similar. <laughs> it was just a typo. It's difficult to slow the car down. I try to stop thinking entirely, focusing on meditative breathing, and the car whizzes even faster, suggesting it takes an awful lot of brain power to try to shut down your thoughts, like Scotty was saying. That's what you need is to, uh, you know, you're driving, there's an emergency, you're like, hang on, got to meditate. Yeah, and you know, I should point out that mind reading is, is has always been a scientific term from psychology. Mind reading is is what happens, and they talk about with autism, people with autism, for example, lack the ability to read minds. That's what autism is. You can't necessarily look at people and project yourself into them to say, what would I be thinking if I were in this position? And so so mind reading is a real, is a very real like psychological phenomenon Hmm. that we all do every day when it's really an idea of saying, how would that person feel if, right, empathy and and mind reading. Yeah. So mind reading is real and it is scientific. But, you know, what this article raises for me, the question about like it would be dangerous if and they're getting closer to being able to look at your brain and tell you what you're thinking. And that's weird because we've always used language to mediate Mm -hmm. what we think and what we put out there. Mm -hmm. And if what we think is automatically put out there, that could be that is possible. And that I would call that mind reading and I would call that dicey. Well, yeah, there'd be a lot more boobs in the world. <laughs> Essentially, it's like if we have a technology to, to to sort of project what we're thinking, just with dudes, it's going to be boobs. <laughs> Your car only goes to the strip club. <laughs> <laughs> this electric car is going to be the new boober. <laughs> ah, nice. Dr. Sarita Robinson, senior lecturer in psychology at the University of Central Lancashire, says that using the brain as a power source has become more feasible as we've begun to understand how the mind works. If you go back 100 years, you could barely see inside the brain. I've seen some things. 100 years ago, they could totally see inside the brain. They didn't know what they were looking at, Yeah, but they would chop those up, no problem. We were pumping the skin around the skull with air and removing the cerebral fluid and taking some real dodgy x-rays just to get an image of what was going on, she says. Now we have MRIs, CAT scans. We can take blood flow images. In the future, we'll be able to look at a brain scan and see what a person's thinking about. Yeah, that's wild, huh? Yeah. They, you know, they, they even found uh, uh, love in the laboratory under brain scans. They've actually take people who identify as being strongly in love with another person, and they can isolate that down to the little spot in your brain. And then they can take other people who say that they are and whatever. And it's like you can actually say there's a little part in your brain that lights up when you're in love with a person that doesn't light up when you're not. Wait, so they can pinpoint that in your brain? They're like, this one's Stephanie, that one's Brittany, <laughs> that one's Veronica. This and that- one's Pornhub. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of the blood test, when you go to get married, you'll have to take a, uh, a brain scan to see if you're really in love. Yeah. Not right? just cousins. Yeah. I, I thought the technology to sort of uh, make images or recreate your dreams would be cool, but I don't need to know. I don't need to see what's going Imagine on inside my that, mind. Though, if you, in the future, you have a partner and they say, well, let's go in and see if we're really in love or not. And you get wired up on your brains and they look and say, sorry. Well, that's kind of ridiculous. I think that this would be something like if you're bill gates and you're like is she just after my money it might be handy Mm, maybe yeah you could do maybe a lie detector for that even 
I don't know. I think I like the brain scan. It sounds more I, brain that, scans more at Bill Gates. That's alley. the funny thing about all this stuff is is do we really know what we're thinking? Well, they do have that. It's called a prenup. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty simple. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I think there, we don't know a lot about the mind, honestly. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty like you know, it's like the center of the earth. It's sort of untapped. Here's you know. how they get funding for this. You make this for dogs because everyone wants to know what their dog is thinking. If the dog is truly in love? Yeah. Like when the dog sits and gives you the puppy dog eyes, like, oh, yeah. I'm so hungry. Like, is the dog really hungry or is he trying to work me? Yeah. I want to know what dogs are thinking too. I want to know if dogs are ever thinking about something that's not happening in the in the present. They're like... Because that's one of the marks of, of humans for sure is we're able to think about other things, other places. We're able to think about Paris or think about the past or... I think, think my dog thinks about me taking it for a walk um, in the future. Well, I think it's saying, I want you to take me out now. I don't think it's like, hey, oh. hey maybe at six o'clock you think you could take yeah. me out. I, like, I just ate a big meal. Can we <laughs> go for a walk in 20 minutes? Yeah. yeah, I was thinking tomorrow that might be a nice day for a stroll because the, the, the sun's going to yeah. be out again. I heard. Yeah, I, I just asked Alexa for the uh, forecast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thursday, Thursday, we should go to the park. I'm thinking do- doggy date on Friday. You and like know? you're saying, we, I, I don't really, I don't think we know. Yeah. And it would be, it would be really valuable to learn that about animals. And, but I think people are more willing to throw, like fund mind reading for their pet than from their spouse. Just because it's, it's think, safer. You're not going to find information that is going to be so as damaging. Yes. When I think people go, why would I need to spend money to see if my husband loves me? I know he does. Mm. I want to know if my dog loves me, though. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so much more valuable intel. <laughs> Let's spend millions of dollars to find out if... Which would you rather pay $1,000? You have $1,000 you can earmark to one of these two grants. One is people mind reading and one is dog mind reading. I'm putting it in the dog mind reading jar. People mind reading, easy. Really? I go for yeah. dog mind reading, too. We win. Because, you know, I think that could, if we find out that animals have consciousness, right, and are aware of, of hopes and dreams and fears and things like that, which I think there's some argument that they are. And uh, I, I really think that that w- might change our relationship to animals in general. Oh, well, yeah, absolutely. That. Yeah, that, that could be actually change the world more than anything we could do in terms of how we communicate. It would make you rethink your yard tortoise. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Well, maybe in my yard tortoise, you know, maybe I can help facilitate his... <laughs> his need to his, guard your house. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he's always wanted to be a security guard, you know? Maybe he's always wanted to, you know... <laughs> he took that test in high school that's like, <laughs> you are skilled to live in a zoo or be a yard security tortoise. <laughs> right? You got a dream. Yeah. That's also dream. a good DJ name. <laughs> DJ Yard Tortoise. <laughs> Turtledream.com. <laughs> Doing the slow jams. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah, I think it would change people's perception on pets, you know, if like they knew oh, that like, hey, you know, I did yeah. dream of yeah, acting or, you know, I dream of acting. <laughs> I want to be, be the dog on Law and Order. <laughs> do you see that dog? He totally did not sell that that was a burglar. <laughs> this llama always wanted to get a Ph.D. at the University of Cork and <laughs> performance. <mind reading. laughs> you you are the only person in the world who has a Ph.D. in mind reading. But there are three llamas <laughs> so and how do we feel about this we think it's good i think it's fine but they really should be uh, animals first yeah well i think in all science experiments isn't it always animals first <laughs> this one appears they just jumped like, at people and toy cars <laughs> i just say on that headline though mind reading is a science and a magic trick 
that's what they always do in these things. They always say it's one or the other, but oh man, it's it can be both. The, oh, it, it always, it almost always. Well, it is. also implies that a magic trick is fake, right? And can a magic trick be real? Not exactly, but the psychological principles that make magic tricks work are super real, uh-huh. right? And they border in areas sometimes of deep psychology that uh-huh. aren't fully understood. Yeah. All right. Well, I like it. I hope it happens. And I hope you guys get your wish of talking to dogs, being yeah. able to understand if <laughs> your dog great. really loves you <laughs> for a thousand dollars. And now it's time for strange stories from the time capsule with Dr. Henry. In Japan, you're equally likely to die from being struck by lightning as you are from being shot by a gun. that's it for today's episode we hope that you enjoyed the thoughtful and philosophical ideas of the man in the studio scotty mcqueen, McQueen. thank you you might hear the name and there is no relation of course to yes lightning to, to the queen mcqueen yeah oh, the queens <laughs> to, to the, the lightning to the lightning and mcqueen no relation to the talking <laughs> animated car just in case you're wondering yeah. Uh, but we want to thank you so much. If, if you want to know more information about what we the, the news story that we talked about today, you can check that out at oddandoffbeat.com. We're on the social media. We're on the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out. And you can check out the weekly photo caption contest that happens every Thursday where we post a funny photo. You leave a funny uh, comment and the best comment wins some odd and offbeat swag. Yep, and we have uh, Scotty's been trying to butter us up all week to win it. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I should be in the running this week. <laughs> <laughs> of course, send us your weird news stories. Um, anything that you have, if you find something online when you are, you know, wasting your day away around the water cooler at work, <laughs> the non-existent <laughs> lo- when you're when you're wasting your day going, why the hell does my office not have a water cooler? <laughs> By the way, I was trying to bribe you, not butter you up. Okay. <laughs> I can't believe you just said that on the podcast. So, or if you have your, you're own- trying to bribe me with butter. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't my caption look a lot better after you lick this stick of butter? <laughs> Uh, so yeah if you have your own weird news story that you come across or even if you have your own life weird story we just want to hear from you so you can send us that info at oddandoffbeat.com we talk about that time we went to the butter museum Baker oh yeah since we are talking about butter uh, <laughs> Scotty and I w- I went out visiting Scotty in Ireland after I was doing a cruise in the Grand Canary he had lived in Cork for two years mm-hmm. and he had never been to the butter museum what and what? I did tell you about the Butter Museum, and I offered to take you, so it's not like I was avoiding. I was just waiting for you. But we went to the Butter Museum, and uh, there was... Bog butter. Bog butter, which is essentially... Is that that what's uh, left in your man parts after jogging? (laughs) Kind of. It looked like that. It's ancient butter that they sacrificed in the Druid times to, like, pagan gods, and they would throw barrels of butter in the river. And they've recovered some of these. And so this is ancient uh, pagan butter. And it's sort of like hardened and, you know, and I, <laughs> we went, we were essentially the only people in this whole bog butter museum. 
And sure, it's the hot spot of cork. Yeah, the woman was, ta- I think, taken back when I asked if I could have some, <laughs> if I could try some of the bog butter. <laughs> you, you take out a toaster. Yeah, she, I was like, she was showing it to us. I'm like, could I try it? And she's like, what? I think she told you it would taste like soap, if I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then and then I dragged Scotty to a local Irish bar that he had never been to. I that showed, was terrifying. I showed, you showed him his house? I showed him, yeah. <laughs> I, this is your daughter you haven't seen in four years. He's like, what? <laughs> I think was, I would remember that. terrifying. <laughs> I thought I threw her in with the bog butter. <laughs> it's like, I wasn't avoiding her. I I've just never been at home. I guess a sacrificial sacrifice to the gods and druid times. We love work. you, Lulu. <laughs> I used to live in Ireland when I was 17 years old, which is 20 years ago. And I have some old Irish pounds. And so when I travel to countries, I keep envelopes of different countries' money. So when I go back, I just bring the money. So I You're like an like a international spy. Kind of. And so I had Irish money. I hadn't been there in 20 years. And so I brought it b- back. I had these Irish pounds. I think I had like 50 Irish pounds. And I went to pay with it. And they're like, we can't take this anymore. We're on the euro now. Uh, and I was like, oh, could I take it into a bank? And they're like, literally two weeks ago, they stopped accepting these. <laughs> And then I was showing it around and people were looking at it at the bar. They're like, wow, I haven't seen this in forever. They're taking like, pictures. Yeah. It's like an international spy, but in case instead of a briefcase full of like bundles of bills, you've got like a suitcase full of little jars of coins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, you have like Confederate dollars. <laughs> you're like, can I spend this in Alabama? <laughs> They're like, no. I'm sure if it has a Confederate flag on it, it will be accepted in most southern states. <laughs> <laughs> accepted much faster than our, our American bucks. <laughs> um so uh anything else we, we need to plug scotty no. feel good feeling good feel, feeling feel, good. Do, you have, do you have a good time yeah i love it uh, love it can't wait to see your museum again yeah well thanks so much for uh being here we really appreciate uh, now, you sitting in do you have anything to plug matt i don't nothing. i've got nothing going on i gotta go to um my daughter's student-led uh conference at school oh that's exciting yeah uh except they have tickets to a show my wife and daughter that same night, like like during it. So I'm going by myself, and I think we're going to Skype her in. Oh, nice. <laughs> it's going to be the weird. That's we're, nice. We're hoping, we're, we're hoping to get permission to make this happen today. That's where the brain scan will come in, where they can brain scan her teachers and see how they really feel about your daughter. <laughs> about, about her Skyping in to her student-led <laughs> conference while I'm sitting there like an idiot. <laughs> so, of course, folks, if you can, subscribe to this. If you can comment or, or rate us on iTunes, Google Play, it does help us out quite a bit. Tell your friends. Uh, let him know and uh, and check out Scotty Scotty Walsh if he coming to a Scotty McQueen. Th- there, oh, so, there's a website there, ScottyMcQueen.com. Yeah, ScottyMcQueen.com, and that has some videos and some uh, some of his dissertation is up there. You can check it out and learn all about psychic and mind reading and all sorts of psychological warfare. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm okay with that term. <laughs> so you use it through your uh, virtual private network or the library computer. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for listening, folks. Have a weird week. We are out. Bye. Thanks for listening and stay weird. Today's show is sponsored by the Renegade Assassin Penguin Brigade.